You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 7 Then the high priest questioned Stephen, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. For four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, seventy-five in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was forty years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, 
where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself, through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for forty years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and, in their hearts, turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and, 
Yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. So this week we start to learn a lot more about Stephen. And actually in Acts 6, we learn about the apostles needing to choose other leaders, seven men, to be able to help them so that they can focus on prayer and ministry. Um, and one of the men they chose among those seven was Stephen. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> uh, but that was pretty short-lived because yeah. he actually got seized and yeah, uh, um, and had to actually give his statement and give his speech. And so that's where we are here in chapter 7. And I love, love, love <clears throat> chapter 7 uh, because Stephen, he he's in the synagogue, right? So like he's in front of the, the Sanhedrin mm-hmm. and he's talking to them. And he goes back to the very beginning and he's laying down, like his whole speech is, you know, talking to them about the patriarchs. I mean, he goes all, he goes all the way back and then brings them to the time of David. And then he goes, and then, you know, the son of man, you, you killed him. You, you took the king and you killed Mm -hmm. him. You dealt with him treacherously. Um, And I was, I mean, that ignited something inside of me. I don't know that I've ever even noticed or realized that that was a part of his whole deal. Mm. It's it's a powerful sermon, really. It is. And it's just ironic here we are after this time where the apostles designate different people to help with this other ministry and so they can do the preaching ministry. Mm-hmm. And then that person they designate now comes out with this incredible sermon. Right. That is so oh, that's funny, I yeah, never thought about and that. And it's so steeped and rich in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. the near of the Old Testament and he does this incredible thing where he demonstrates how the behavior that they are showing now has happened so often in the story of God where God's messengers, his prophets, were oppressed and were persecuted by God's very own people. And here it is happening again, and they are now the ones who are oppressing Oppressing. him and oppressing the church in much the same way that others were oppressed. I think one of the important things for me from this sermon is we can sometimes in the church and very tragically so, undermine the importance, the value, the beauty of the Old Testament mm-hmm. and take the Old Testament as just a kind of you know, introduction to the New Testament right. and minimize the continuity that there actually is between both Testaments. And yet, in Stephen's sermon here and in all the preaching that you really find in Acts, it's always relying back on the, the Old, Old Testament's Testament. uh, narrative and, and testimony about who God is and how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that's come prior. He's not merely um, a kind of new thing, but he's very much been who the whole story of God has been leading up to, and now that moment's come. And the sad thing is that the people who've been following along that with that story and have been the main sort of characters in that story now, when Jesus comes, don't recognize him for who he is, even though they've heard about him for centuries. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, the sort of great tragedy of Acts is how um, not uh, not enough Jews come around to seeing the truth of who Christ is. 
I, I love this too, and thank you for leading in like this, mm -hmm. Ruth, just with this, oh, this is amazing, it's amazing sermon. It's like the whole story from beginning, yeah. you know, to end, and then uh, towards the end, I love too how how um, we are reminded uh, through through this sermon that God does not dwell in houses built by mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a thing that, you know, because that's part of it too, the temple, and the temple was built, and then, the, you know, all, all of that. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? Mm. I just, it just kind of brings it all, I'm all so the way glad around you to the beginning. Bring that out though, because Stephen, you know, very much is pouring his heart out about that theme and, and showing even how in the whole story of the Old Testament, there's never this assumption that God resides in one mm -hmm. place. And then you have here though in uh, chapter 7, verse 55, where it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently toward heaven and saw the glory of God. And I just highlight to say, yes, Stephen is saying, no, God doesn't reside in just one temple or one place. Exactly. And then he stands there as a testimony of the fact that now God resides in us. Yes. I am full of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. Yes. And the earth is now reunited with its creator. I like the fact that he reminds them that they don't even see this. Like, how can you even still be stiff-necked? <laughs> mm -hmm. How can your hearts mm -hmm. and your ears still be uncircumcised? How can you not believe mm -hmm. all that I'm saying to you, all that you have seen and heard about Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Like, what's going on? <laughs> but he reminds them of that. Okay, great. You are literally just stuck in your ways. <laughs> and, and we see that at the end. They actually, you know, they go to stone him. And he still... Like, Lord, take my spirit. Mm -hmm. He still has faith. Mm -hmm. He still never stops believing. Mm -hmm. Even though people around him are stoning him mm -hmm. because of his belief. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.